Hello, everyone, and welcome to another Recap Race Analysis here on the Cycling Dane X channel, or if you're listening on the Cycling Dane podcast. Today was the Puy de Dom stage, and as always, I'm joined by Mr. Craig himself, Ewan Wilson. And Ewan, what a stage that was, and what exactly happened? Well, it took 35 years for the Tour de France to come back to Puy de Dom. Up in the breakaway this morning, it was a big old breakaway. We weren't sure if it would go to the break or a GC group, but they quickly gained around about 10 minutes over the Yumba Visma-led peloton group. It included a number of bigger names, such as Michael Woods, Matteo Jorgensen, Nielsen Paulus, Pierre Latour, Alexei Lutsenko, and so forth. And with about 50, 60k to go, everything broke up in that front group. Lots of attacks coming around with um, Guillaume Boivin, Victor Campanards, all attacking. But there was one that stuck for Matteo Jorgensen, uh, who was solo for about 40, 50 kilometers on this stage. Behind there was a second group on the road, including Nielsen Paulus, Matteo Mohoric, and Mathieu Bourgodeau of Total. On to the Peter Dorn we came and Matteo Jorgensen had about one minute, even stretching it out to one and a half minutes at points up the Peter Dorn climb. We thought the American had it, but once we got to the final infernal four kilometers of the climb, once the gradient got to double digits, Michael Woods, who's great at these steep climbs, just closed the two-minute deficit he had up to Matteo Jorgensen within space of the final four kilometers. A very, very impressive ride from Michael Woods to overcome Jorgensen just in sight of the finishing line and to take Canada's third stage win at the Tour de France in its history behind Steve Bauer and last year with Hugo Ull. Michael Woods adds his name to that list getting Israel Premier Tech their first win of this Tour de France. Let's look to the GC group now and onto the Puy de Dom climb it was a real rush to get on there it was almost like a lead out to the foot of the climb in Clermont-Ferrand. Once we got onto the climb it was Jumbo Visma who controlled the race. To begin with it was Dylan Van Bala, Wilco Kelderman but once we got to that tough deciding final sector of the climb Kuss came to the front on most predictably. Behind him sat Tari Pogacar, Adam Yates, Simon Yates, Carlos Rodriguez, and Tom Pidcock. Adam Yates getting dislodged along with Jai Hindley as well for a brief period. Once Kuss was done, well, everyone started looking at each other with Rodriguez, Pidcock, Simon Yates, Pogacar, and Vingo left in the group, but at just over one kilometer to go, Pogacar attacked. Vingo responded, but he left out a small gap, but soon after, Pogacar really extended this gap to eight seconds when he came across the line to win the fight for the GC time. Behind the fight for minor placings in the GC fight in that third place in the podium seemed like Simon Yates was taming that one with Tom Pickcock on his wheel, a big surprise from today, as Carlos Rodriguez came home with a small gap behind. Jai Hindley lost a couple of seconds as well, but he remains fixed in third place, and looking towards the GC, the Vingago still leads this race with a 17 second lead over Tadej Pogacar, whilst in third place it's Jai Hindley still, 2 minutes and 40 seconds in a race. Carlos Rodriguez holds fourth place, but he's still about 1 minute and 40 seconds behind Jai Hinley, Adam Yates in 5th, Simon Yates in 6th, Tom Pidcock moves up to 7th, one loser from today, David Gaudu moves down to 8th, Sepp Kuss is in 9th, and Balde is in 10th, the enfant de paix, uh, the local boy who really did not light up Puy de Dom. Nevertheless, another testing day where Jumbo Visma were booyahed by Tade Pogaccia who proves that he is the strongest GC rider in this Tour de France once more. Yeah, I mean, so much to unpack on this stage. Yeah, I don't even know where to start. We should start with Michael Woods, because uh, that was an incredible victory. And uh, yeah, keeping their 100% well, record in the two last Tour de France's of winning with the Canadian rider. I mean, Ewan, I was just so impressed by the measured effort. We, were, we thought he was out of it. He didn't really get involved in the fiori of the stage and kind of just measured himself and just took each rider bit by bit and mission accomplished for Israel Premier Tech so far. Yeah, it felt like sort of Woods was uh, 
was outplayed for a while because he had that big deficit. And I remember we were saying on stream, this is the perfect final climb for Woods. Why is he not trying to be at the front, especially when that second group on the road went? But maybe he was just the most cunning here. Had all those visuals of sort of gaining, like bridging up to Mohoric, bridging up to the next guy, bridging up to Bogodo, bridging then up to Mateo Jorgensen up in front and then to take the win. It was a very, very impressive final four kilometers for Michael Woods. I've questioned his tactics over the past couple of years. It felt like he was not going to win a Tour de France. Time was ticking on and every chance he had he just sort of missed out he was up there in the breakaway at Le Grand Bonon a couple of years back chasing Pocudot jersey points the 2021 Tour de France just sort of missing that edge last year I mean he was up there with a great chance to foire but his teammate Ugo Ull was up the road and it just felt like it was gone for for Michael Woods but he had a brilliant opening couple days to this Tour de France and here at Puy de Dome he really struck gold I think you mean Tour de France stage, not Tour de France. You said you didn't think he was going to win at Tour de France, and here we are. Whoopsies. I mean, neither. But he gets the stage, which I wasn't really yeah, expecting. Yeah, 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 yeah. We all know that. Uh, but anyway, Nilsson Pallets was part of that group as well. Pocket of Jersey, we were kind of, yeah, a bit confused why he was so animated over three points. He does. T- he did take 10 points on the Puy de Dom. That's granted, but he only had 18 seconds or 18 points ahead of Felix Gall. And Ewan, I mean, do you think he's riding this competition how he should be, the American? I think he wants a stage win and to keep the polka dots, but all it takes is for Felix Gal to make one breakaway and Paulus doesn't, and boom, it changes. But the only thing is Gal now is actually quite high up in GC, just nine minutes back. Maybe he's too close to the top of the rankings, but um, Paulus keeps doing this. He's invested so much in this first week to gain a small lead in that classification. It will all change in the mountains. All it takes is for Pogaccio Vingo to be up there on a summit finish or for Gal to sort of do a raid on one stage in the Alps and it flips once again. Maybe Paulus is there, but this is this is not the first time we've seen him fade at towards the end of a stage. It happens the other day at Coterie as well, where James Shaw was better than him, even on the Tourmalet on that stage, still fading earlier than the other guys. And today, fading once more. But for me, the American that I'm heartbroken for is Matteo Jorgensen. 40, 50 kilometers up in front. And initially we thought, why has he gone so far? Maybe that that was the right sort of rationale to have at the time. But he was on his own, away from all this chaos, and he was riding Puy de Dome at his own pace, just cracked towards the end. And he didn't even make the top three at the end of today. He got swamped by Latour, who was in the same group as Michael Woods. So a real shame for Jorgensen and for Movistar, who just came so, so close today. Yeah, but breakaway antics aside, uh, obviously the big the big moment here was Tadwagacha distancing uh, Jonas Vingo after what Jumbo Visma had put so much work in. It looked like they really had control of things with Kilderman, with Wattman Art, and then suddenly Tadwagacha kind of just goes a few seconds away, holds that gap, and manages to gain eight seconds towards the finish, as you said. But Ewan, yeah, has this changed the dynamic of this year's Tour de France. We know that uh, Jonas Vingo is still in the yellow jersey, but it doesn't feel like he has that firm grip on it right now. Well, the thing is, Vingo has that from that brilliant day he had on the Cours Marie Blanc on the way into La Reims on stage five. 
stage six, Pogacar gained time, won the stage. When Jumbo Visma invested everything and Vingo didn't have the legs against Pogacar. Today, they played it well on the climb. Very predictable the way they rode it, but they did what they needed to do to sort of put Vingo in a position to attack and gain time on Pogacar. And he loses eight seconds. It doesn't seem like much, but Pogacar's chipping away 17 seconds in arrears. Pogacar now doesn't have the added pressure of the yellow jersey sort of stuff on the rest day. For the next couple of days, once we have that stage into Issoire, which is a rolling hilly stage, they won't have to control that stage. Moulin, which is a sprint stage on stage 11. Jumbo Visma might, might be at the front, maybe working for Van Aert. But they, they will have the impetus to control. Then on stage 12 into Beaujolais, a very chaotic day that, that could come on that day. And Jumbo Visma, as the yellow jersey team, will be forced really to control this race. So for UAE, it's a huge win for them. And Vingegaard just still doesn't seem to have those legs. He was brilliant at La Rance, but we're missing that sort of response. And we're missing that momentum in his courts. And Pogacar keeps on gaining. 17 seconds is nothing. It could be a bonus second win and a small gap on the line, particularly at sort of Grand Colombia next week. Yeah, well, we're going to see what happens there. It's certainly one of the most exciting... Potentially, hopefully, well, if Tarbogaccio just completely overrides Vingo in the next few weeks, it's going to be quite a boring Tour de France yet again. But nevertheless, that third place is still quite interesting in the standings because we had Jared Hindley cracking a bit here towards the final climb. We have Ineos Grandiers looking unusually strong. Well, that's not really fair because they had Carapaz and Karen Thomas on the third step of the podium. But Carlos Rodriguez with Tom Pickcock, surprisingly, doing very well towards the finish with Simon Yates. And do you think potentially that third place could be under threat for Jade Hindley in the long term? Maybe in the long term, but maybe Hindley bounces back later on. We know he's good at aging into Grand Tours. Rodriguez and Peacock are in an unknown in that final week of a Grand Tour. Remember, Rodriguez crashed out of the Vuelta last year. And um, Peacock faded completely at the, at the last week of last year's Tour de France. Maybe he's learned from that. Potentially, I still think Hindley's in there with a shot at the podium. One minute and 40 seconds is still his advantage over Rodriguez. Yes, Rodriguez looks good, but he only gained a little bit of time on Hindley today. I still think Jai is safe. Borat fell apart a little bit towards the end of today, but they did a good job of putting him in the correct position. And that buffer he's gained, I just think, will carry him all the way to the end. Especially in the time trial, people keep saying, Hindley's not a great time trialist. Is Carlos Rodriguez? Is Simon Yates? I mean, Simon Yates nowadays, okay, maybe. But these guys, I think it might be a bridge too far. If if we're looking towards anybody to really challenge, Simon Yates, I think, is, is your one to really fight for, for Hindley's third place. But anyways, it was in Fuededom. Roman Bardet was kind of touched as the the well winner that most people wanted. There was there's a press conference going on right now after the stage. Didn't quite happen, but Thibaut Pino, David Godou as well, not looking great. And Ewan, does this mean that a potential replicate of what we had uh, last year with Godou in fourth place is not going to happen this year? It's not going to happen. He doesn't have the legs. He's not been there. Godou, I think, is maybe looking towards a seventh, eighth, ninth place. Balde, similarly, not got the legs. I wouldn't be surprised if Balde drops out of top ten. Uh, Mankey's looked brilliant today. We know how he, how good he can be in the final week of a Grand Tour as well. Pretty nifty at getting in breakaways as well. But also, thinking about French teams, Azure Desert Citroën, Ben O'Connor, big, big loss. We've been saying that Ben O'Connor just doesn't have the legs in this Tour de France. He's now in 18th place in GC. 
14 minutes back. Similarly, Guillaume Martin, we thought maybe he would be able to, to play his snakes and ladders game later on into this race. And Guillaume Martin now sits in 17th place. This is not a good day for a lot of these riders. I mean, also other losers, Mikael Landa not gaining anything. Um, Kelderman as well moving down. We thought maybe he'd try to give it a good shot for Jumbo Visma. But to be honest, I think we're, we're, we're seeing that we have quite a strong group of seven riders who are head and shoulders above everybody else in Rodriguez, in the both Yates's, Vingo, Pogaccia, Hinley, and so forth. Maybe Pickock, if he can sort of sneak into that later into the race, if he can really age into this Tour de France. I wait for that to really be responded to later in this race. But um, yeah, I mean, it's really been stratified already in this first week of racing. Anyways, that's basically it for this recap race analysis of the Quiro Dome stage. Of course, as always, make sure to comment down below, hit the like button, subscribe to the channel here on the Second Day and Extra channel if you're watching or if you're listening on the podcast. But uh, we have plenty of stuff coming out on the rest day, so stick around for that on the Second Day main channel and here on the Second Day extra channel. So with that, thank you very much for watching or listening, and we will see you around.